first reading this morning is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And now from Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Well, uh, we live in a part of the world where people really appreciate good bakeries. There's a couple of, couple of good bakeries near me. Um, there's uh, Dench and Loafer, and often you'll see on a Saturday morning a queue, even like any morning with Loafer, you'll be driving to work or, or going to s- dropping the kids off at school, and there'll be a line going down the street into Loafer because people love good bread. They have to have that croissant that's baked just the way Loafer does it. And it's generally a good thing for us in, in the church to find points of connection with the culture around us. And this is one of those points of connection because people in Jesus' day also liked good bread. I don't know if they lined up down the street, but they did like good bread and they made bread and it was an important part of their life. And so Jesus uses the imagery of dough and yeast and bread a lot in his teaching, you know, and we're going to later on celebrate communion, and that's one of the obvious examples. But here's another example. Here's another example. And so um, uh, we have uh, part of the vision that we're going to focus on today. Imagine a church community whose active and transformative presence um, is dispersed in the community like yeast in dough. This This part of the vision comes from the parable that we just had read by Colleen. In this parable, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven and he says that the kingdom is like yeast mixed into dough because it has an invisible and a transformative power that spreads. And whenever that power comes in contact with the world and with people, it brings transformation, just like yeast brings transformation to the dough. 
What kind of transformation? Uh, well, if we quickly look at the life of Jesus, we can see some of the sorts of things we're talking about. Jesus is the king of this kingdom. Uh, where, wherever he went, his rule extended. So what, what's the kind of thing we see? We see people's sins being forgiven. We see demons fleeing. We see the sick being healed. We see... Um, Relationships restored, injustices made right, miracles occurring. And so this is the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. He's saying when the mysterious and invisible power of the kingdom of heaven is close by, people's lives are changed. Now, let's just think about this a little bit more, this power, because the sermon today is largely about the power. One way to think about it is that Originally, when you read the, the, the um, Genesis, chapter 1 and 2, you see this, and, and yeah, a bit of 3, you see this amazing image of heaven and earth united in the Garden of Eden. So you see God and the humanity living together in harmony and in partnership cultivating the land. It's a beautiful image of heaven and earth overlapping, or united is a better way to think of it. But we know, if you, well, if you've read the story of Genesis chapter 1 to 3, you see a story where the human beings renege on the partnership. They bring sin into the world, they turn their back on God, they prefer a life without God. And so what happens is that God brings separation to heaven and earth. And basically, if you want to see the, the arc of the story of the Bible, is it's God bringing heaven and earth back together again over the arc of the, of the Bible and how he goes about doing that. And we ha actually haven't arrived at that moment yet. But what we see is we see God trying to come up with ways to have overlapping spaces in the world. And you see that in the Bible. So you see the tabernacle and then the temple that God brings as being locations where heaven and earth overlap and the people can be in the presence of God. And then when Jesus comes, he, he's the one who comes, and as I've already read out, he brings this kind of moving temple, a human temple. He says, I'm the temple, and wherever he goes, he brings heaven with him, and you start to see these amazing things occur in, in the life around him. And we, we, we see him bring this presence of God to sinners, to sick people, to the rejected people, People previously thought to be unworthy of the presence of God. He, he creates these pockets of heaven all over the place. And he runs around saying things like, the kingdom of God is here. When, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, he, uh, we see it in different gospels, he's basically talking about the same thing. He, pray, he tells them to pray a very famous thing, your kingdom God, uh, to, to, to the Father in heaven, your kingdom come and your will be done. Remember from the Lord's Prayer. And then in Jesus' death and resurrection, what we see is this powerful moment that continues to have an effect to this day where this transforming power of the overlapping heaven and earth is spread through the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. And this is essentially what Jesus is pointing to in his parable of the yeast in dough, his divine presence in the world spreading and so this is why as it spreads through the church and through his power you see things like prayers being answered people's lives changing and so on 
The power of his death and resurrection is spreading and exploding through time and space. And this gives us a taste of heaven. So when your heart is stirred, when you are hearing the Bible taught or singing in church, when people say yes to following Jesus, when people are prompted by God to be so generous that they give their finances and radically to ministry and mission, when you are focused in devoted prayer for people, when Christians love each other in a sacrificial and gracious way, this is all the effect and the impact of this powerful force of, of, of Jesus' kingdom transformative power. And now we, the church, are a gathering of citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's, if, you're, if you have said yes to Jesus, you have received a passport uh, and you belong uh, uh, as a citizen to the kingdom of heaven. And that same kingdom power that came from Jesus, flowed through the people and the places he went to, that same power flows through us in the people of God. When we are being God's people in the world, believe it or not, God's kingdom power to transform is flowing through us. Now, how does this work? It's a bit hard to understand. With the kingdom of God, it is a bit hard to understand. It's a mystery. And that's why Jesus uses parables to teach it, because there are lots of things we don't understand. We actually had the, a Kingdom of, of, of God parable series earlier this year, you might remember, in January. Well, it sort of works a bit like this when we're thinking about us and how this works with us. The more we live and relate to each other and those around us in a tangibly kingdom-like way, the more God's kingdom power seems to flow through us and transform our others. And it's a mystery because... The thing that causes Christians to really come alive in that kingdom way is the power that comes from God. It's, we shouldn't think that we have to just do the right actions and then the kingdom of power comes. It's, it's actually that God sends his power to us. We're transformed and that flows on to other people. So when we say imagine a church community whose active and transformative presence is dispersed in the community like yeast and dough, we are saying imagine our church spread out across neighbourhoods, meeting as worshipping congregations, as community groups and in various ministry groups and in our households and workplaces and schools and coming into contact with the people around us and bringing God's kingdom power with us as it flows through us to transform people. Wow. Now Paul gives us a bit of a, a picture of what this might look like. And that was what the Romans 12 reading was. He describes it in sort of simple words. So let's have a look at that. Romans 12. Paul, he says things like, well, when this happens in the church, the transformative power, there'll be joyful and loving zeal in the Christians towards each other in the church. And that's going to be especially expressed in generosity, passionate prayer and hospitality. People of God will be loving each other in a profound way and, and they will flourish. And to think of it in reverse, a church that uh, is not loving towards each other has probably not been transformed by God's kingdom power, it seems. And one of the things I love the most about our church is that we really do seem to have a community that loves each other. And this love is evident in tangible ways. 
uh, when we see people rise to the occasion to help each other, when people are in need, when people fall sick and need help getting to and from hospital, when they need their dog walked, when meals need to be made, we rise to the occasion. There seems to be a zeal for each other and I love that about our church. And I do think we've got a, a positive, happy church in that respect. Now, I know that we're not perfect, that sometimes people are let down and sometimes people are crying out and they feel like maybe they weren't looked after by the community. And that does happen and that's going to happen. Sometimes we let ourselves down. And that's because we are not yet in heaven. God has not completed the story and finally united heaven and earth. That hasn't happened yet. So we're still going to let each other down at times. And yet we need to continue to pray that God's will be done, will, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I have loved seeing the prayer life of our church flourish in the last few years. More prayer, more time in prayer, more devotion to prayer in our church. And the way people have opened their homes to each other. Joyful and loving zeal for each other, generosity, passionate prayer, hospitality, all of this is a result of God's transformative power that has exploded um, since Jesus' death and resurrection. In verse 14 to 16, he says, you know, if a church uh, community is transformed by this power, they'll be a blessing to those around them, uh, verse 14 to 16, especially to the people you would least likely normally associate with. Uh, which are the people who persecute you and people of a lowly position in society. So a church that's really transformed by this kingdom power, they won't just love each other, but they'll love the people around them. Every now and then in life, we might come across people who really give us a hard time for our faith. I know this happens a lot more at school, but it can happen amongst your family as well. I was hearing an example this week about someone in our congregation who's having a hard time from a friend at school. And this can be really hard. I know if you work in certain sectors, workplace sectors, there's more hostility towards Christians. I know sometimes you can get that in the not-for-profit sector, kind of an anger towards the church that can, that can come. And it can be hard if you're on the, on the receiving end of that, feeling like you're a target. But Paul says in, in this Romans 12 passage that, that an amazing thing occurs in us when God's transformative kingdom power flows through us is that while we might receive that persecution or that sort of harsh words, that we will still be a blessing to those people around us. And that's amazing to think. So when we see Christians in the media acting in a way that is defensive or aggressive towards non-Christian people, I, I believe they are acting out of character. This is not the way we are supposed to be. Because our true kingdom nature, as citizens of the kingdom, is to be a blessing to those who persecute us. I heard an amazing story recently from this woman in America who's an academic, Dr. Lisa Diamond, her name is, not a Christian woman. She's a fairly significant researcher into sexuality and sexual attraction. She's a lesbian woman with a partner and children, and she was being interviewed on a Christian podcast about her findings, her latest research. Really interesting stuff. Anyway, the interviewer 
whose name is Preston Sprinkle, and that's his actual name, very strange name, but very amazing um, academic and thinker. He asked her what she thought of Christians in her research and experience in the university sector. And she said what she has learnt about Christians that really makes all the difference is how they live out their faith in such a way so as to make love and grace the driving force of their faith. She gave an example of this family that she'd worked with in her research. They were a Roman Catholic family and their daughter came out as gay and her partner was also from a Roman Catholic family and her partner's family kicked her out of home. so this is their daughter's partner's family, kicked, kicked her out of home. So this family welcomed her in and looked after her. Now, the, the story continues. Eventually, the relationship broke up. But this uh, young adult woman stayed, I don't know, rejected by her family. And this family that Lisa had been working with actually ended up paying for her to go through university, this Catholic family. And... It was a profound story of care and love shown towards a person who'd been marginalised by a family. And so Lisa Diamond says that when she sees Christians lean towards grace and love, that she sees a beautiful religion. She says, this is a religion of Jesus who leaves behind the flock to chase the one lamb. This is is Jesus who pursued um, the people of a lowly status, who were marginalised by the religious leaders. See, we've got to develop this culture as a church where we're not hostile towards people who, who are maybe are different to us or we feel uncomfortable around or who say things that we don't like, but we need to be a non-anxious presence, like what we talked about last week. When Christians bless people who are in a sad situation like this, It's because God's transformative kingdom power is flowing through them like yeast in dough. In verses 17 to 21, Paul says, uh, the other thing is that Christians and churches who have this transformative power flowing through them will be peacemakers. They'll live as non-retaliatory peacemakers who demonstrate sacrificial love to those who oppose them. So can you see how the yeast in dough works? It's, it's not that the church suddenly has this amazing initiative, but it's that God's transformative power works through them, they change, and that impacts those around them. So one thing I've been thinking about as I, for my own life, and this came actually through um, talking to uh, a young couple that I've been preparing for marriage, is this idea of developing a kingdom vision for you and your household. Um, so you might live on your own, so it's for you, and I guess it's your household, and, and you might live with other people, either in a family or in a share house. You could develop this vision for your whole household because I, I think households have a power to do what we're talking about in this, in this parable of the East Indo. And it, it's a thinking about how questions like this, you can see on the screen, how can I and my household really offer joyful love and zeal to the people in our church? So you start off thinking about your own church. But then you think, how can I and my household truly be a blessing to those around me? And thirdly, how can I and my household promote peace and harmony in my neighbourhood? And you could spend time praying about that, having discussion with other people, 
writing down different ideas. But the idea of just not being passive about this, but going, God has given me his transformative power and I love him and I want to, you know, have an impact on, on the wider neighbourhood and on the people around me and on my family and friends. Because with God's transformative power, we can make a huge difference to the people in our lives. God is, if God has blessed you with lots of resources, with great finances and possessions and expertise, you, you can use that to bless other people. We need to learn to be intentional with our acts of kindness and pray and ask God to use us. Now, I know that for many of us, we might find this hard and right now we might be feeling a burden as we listen to me talk. One of the reasons is perhaps because, especially post-COVID times from last year, we want to protect our time and we also potentially want to protect our leisure and our comfort as well. And there is a danger for all Western people, for all people, but especially Western people who are privileged that we might have leisure and comfort as one of our idols that we bow down to. And you can know that if this is you, because your greatest fear will be stress, the stress of having demands placed on you by others, the stress of losing your leisure time. So the response that you might have, if, if you are trying to protect your time and protect your leisure and comfort is to stand at arm's length from people. You, you'll stand at arm's length from people in the church community and also in your neighbourhood because you won't want to, you know, be impinged upon. But you've got to realise the consequence of worshipping the idol of leisure and comfort is that it hurts other people. All other idols apart from the one true God, all other gods apart from the one true God, should I say, the idols, they will cause us to sin and hurt people and hurt ourselves. And the reason people get hurt is because, well, there were times when you were needed in their lives where they needed someone to love them and be their friend or to be there for them and you weren't available because you stood at arm's length. That's the consequence of worshipping the idol of leisure and comfort. And that's what might make us feel uncomfortable about this idea about being a blessing on the people around us and loving radically and opening our homes up and all this sort of thing, being peacemakers. This got me thinking about um, a, an old film that I really love, The Last Temptation of Christ. If I'd have said this in church in the 1980s, I probably would have been sacked. But, you know, with 30-odd years later, you can say things like this. So it's, it's a Martin Scorsese film, and it's based on a thought experiment a book by uh, Nikos Kazantzakis. And, it, and in this book, he has a thought experiment about, what, I wonder if Jesus was tempted on the cross to get off the cross. So that's what the film is essentially about. About halfway through the film, Jesus is on the cross and he has this dream about getting off the cross and going on and living his life as a normal person. A normal person. So in the dream, he, he gets married to Mary Magdalene. And this is largely what a lot of the controversy about the movie was about. People couldn't handle seeing that on the screen, which I can understand. But he, you know, he married to Mary Magdalene. He has children. He works as a carpenter and just lives the life of an average person. He basically, in his dream and in his temptation, he chooses the creature comforts 
that we all long for of, of earthly life over making the radical sacrifice that his Father in heaven has called him to make. And then, of course, in his dream, what happens is he gets to the end of his life as an old man and he realises that he's let his friends down, the disciples, and he's let his Father in heaven down because he didn't follow through. And so Jesus wakes up from his dream on the cross, his temptation, the last temptation, and he realises he has to do what he has to do and he dies on the cross and makes the perfect sacrifice. Now, this movie is a work of fiction, but it tells us something true, which is that the Son of God really did lower himself. He gave up his privileged place in heaven He became a human being. He became a slave and suffered and died in our place so that we can have a new life. And and through his death and resurrection, we get this transformative power. We get forgiven. We get a taste of heaven. And eventually we do get um, the new heavens and the new earth as well, eternity. And now we can participate in his ministry to our friends and family and neighbours around us. We can participate and, and, and be the conduit of his transformative power. And what I want to say this morning as we wrap it up is the extent to which we smash our self-protective idols of leisure and comfort and bow down to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the extent to which we will experience his transformative kingdom power in our church and in our lives and in the people around us. So Mary Creek Anglican lets be that church whose active and transformative presence is dispersed in the community like East Indo. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we pray um, that we can be that church. We thank you that you have given us your power. We pray that if we have to um, smash any idols, that we, we will do that this morning. We pray that we hand our lives over to you in full devotion. Please help us to have courage and joy in everything that we do. Amen.